Does it tell you when he's like in the lobby? Uh, yeah, it'll say admit. Oh, okay. Like whenever you jumped on, I had to admit you in. Mm -hmm. Thanks for letting me in. It's great to see you. No problem. It's good to see you. (laughs) I love it. Cheers. Cheers. Clink. You're having Old Foresters. I'm having this. I don't know how to pronounce this. Legovelin? I don't know. I can't even see it. Oh, here we go. Sounds good, though. You ready? Yeah, we're ready. It's a great picture. I know. Way to go. What's up, guys? Hey, what's up? How are you? Good. Doing all right. How are you guys? Doing Good. very well. It's Friday. It's Friday. That's right. Staying out of trouble? Of course. It's not stop busy, actually. But uh, how are you guys? Good. Good. I was Good. wondering Good. about that. What is your off season like? Non-stop speaking podcasts. Um, <laughs> We're sorry. Yeah, no. I mean, it's, it's, it, I, I mean, it's it's. Yeah, I wouldn't be sorry. It's a business. Yeah, very so, true. You know, so never stops. It's good. Well, awesome. thank thank you for taking the time to do this. Um, yeah, my pleasure. Very excited. I don't know if you know much about the premise of of this particular podcast, but essentially, uh-huh. we are two guys who live in Kansas City. Uh, Mark over there is a diehard, born and raised Kansas City, and I've moved all over the place, so I am the rival, so to speak. Nice. Um. So like basically, it. a podcast for for the uh, slightly above amateur fans. Perfect. The everyday yeah. guy. The everyday right. guy. The Perfect. the baseball reference I was going to apply to it uh, is you know where the Mendoza line is, right? Where they that's a batting average, right? We're one click above that. So you're doing all right. That'll play. <laughs> it will. It will. And we've got a decent number of listeners, so we're pretty excited for only being awesome six months yeah. old i think that's great that's great i'm happy to do it with you guys thank awesome. you what we're Appreciate curious it. about though is um joel the fan because you've been all over the place in your career where um i guess i guess uh is it easy to start like kind of changing your your fandom to different teams or do you still have like in your heart are you like in wisconsin or are you in kansas city or any mm. any st louis issue there's there uh, I mean, you kind of – everybody's different, but I think there are a lot of similarities, at least for people that, that do what I do. You just – you do it long enough and you kind of lose the fan in you. Mm-hmm. So it's really – it's one of the few sacrifices you make. It's not that you're unallowed to be a fan. It's that you process things differently. So I'm just not as emotionally invested because I have this ability to say, Oh, okay. Guess that one didn't work out. What's the next one? So that's not a lot of fun, but <laughs> boom, come on, Joel. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's totally wet blanket, but um, so, you know, you find, you find things like, I think probably for me, Wisconsin football and basketball, since I went to school there and there's really nothing that conflicts with it. I mean, if I had gotten a job covering, you know, Michigan football or Ohio state or something like that, it would have, I would have lost my interest in my alma mater too. Cause it's like, you just, you do become fans of where you're at, but you more than that, I think you just, it just becomes business. Yeah. So like I'll watch the world series tonight. I, I, I'd like the Rays to win. I like the small market, but like if they don't, whatever I'll watch tomorrow, you know, I'll enjoy it. I'll completely enjoy it, but I won't, I just won't, I, I just won't be that emotionally invested in it. Yeah. So you're a fan. Of, you're just a fan of the sport in general. Correct. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Do you, you find- lose your, you, you lose your, um, you know, I think the beauty of being a fan is being irrational. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I would agree with that. I'm, you know, most people when they go to work, hopefully are rational and clear headed for the most part. And so because that's so much work to me, doesn't mean I don't like it. It just it's it's just not being a fan. Mm-hmm. Just different. Yeah, interesting. So yeah. like I know you kind of grew up in Philly, right? Early, yeah, till I was thirteen. Yeah, and then and then Chicago, and then kind of 
uh, around, right? I think there was a couple of around, stops, right? <laughs> but um, so growing up in Philadelphia and then in Chicago and then up in the in the what the North Midwest, uh, big hockey guy. So what's that like? Uh, and and you obviously do the the local hockey here with the Mavericks, but uh, would you? What are your thoughts on one Kansas City getting that hockey kind of in here, and would that have any impact on maybe what you did? you know, in terms of, cause you have that deep passion for it. Yeah, no, I've thought about that actually a lot, Mark. I've probably thought about it less in recent years uh, only because I have so many things going on Sure. that from a selfish and personal, see, like, I always thought from a selfish and personal standpoint, I wanted hockey to come here because one, I love hockey and two, like it'd be more work and and then I could have work all off season long and <laughs> like, you know, just more stability. And now I'm like the selfish part of me is like, I wish we have hot, we, we would have hockey here because I love hockey. And, you know, if that puts more money in my pocket, fine. But at the same time, I, I'm fine if it doesn't like I'm fine just being a fan uh, because I'm so busy. So, you know, now I don't, I would love hockey to be here as much as anyone. I just don't see it happening anytime soon. And I know the people that, that are pushing for it and that believe it'll mm-hmm. work here. Um, they may be right. I just don't see it happening anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see it. I, I would love to see it come with a team that preferably wasn't an expansion, but was one more that yeah. already had a chance to win right away. Cause I think that's probably the best way to get people hooked here. Mm-hmm. let's be honest, a lot of people in town have no idea how hockey works. For Most sure. people don't. And, you know, I'm convinced that you could teach hockey to anyone and get them to enjoy it. But I think the way to do that is by seeing it in person and by having a good product. Mm-hmm. So who knows? But, you know, I'd be happy if we had NBA, if we had NHL here. I'd be happy with any of it. But for the really the first time in my life, I'm sort of like, um, if it, you know, if it doesn't have to affect me. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. I think uh, the NHL, the way it is uh, designed initially with how they did it in Las Vegas was they want, you're right. They wanted the team to succeed. So they allowed yeah. to have those conditional draft picks so they could really build a winner right out the gate. And I, I think you're right. That's what would have to happen. But hmm. If we get one, we get one. If we don't, we still got yeah. the Royals and we still got the Chiefs. So that's Mark, right. <laughs> Mark is appeasing me here because I, out of the two of us, I'm the bigger hockey fan and I'm a giant blues fan. Um, and it's been, it's been a good time me to too. be, a, it's been a big, yes, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. It's been a good time to it's, be a blues fan. I'm it's very funny excited grew, about Krug. Yeah, me too. I, it's funny because I, I grew up a Flyers fan and probably like the same thing I said before that, I, I sort of lost all of that. And part of it is just one, I haven't lived there in so long. I mean, it's yeah. 35 years ago. Uh, although I don't know that that's totally fair. I mean, my brother still loves it all, but he also doesn't have, you know, a sports TV job. And, but then I think what happened for me is working in St. Louis for 10 years. You, and I realized this, uh, in my St. Louis career, covering the Rams versus the Eagles, Andy Reid's Eagles and uh, Donovan McNabb in the NFC Championship. And I'm sitting there thinking, let's see if the Rams win this game here. I remember sitting in the press conference. It was it was Andy Reid's press conference and uh, and I think Mike Martz's. And I remember thinking, if, the, if my childhood team, the Eagles, go to the Super Bowl, uh, I'm not going. But if the Rams go to the Super Bowl, I get to go to New Orleans and cover. And if the Rams go, like I know every one of these players personally, if the Eagles go, they got one guy I remember from Wisconsin and that's it. Like there's no attachment. So (laughs) suddenly there's this realization that I've loved this franchise my whole life and I don't care as much anymore. And Mm -hmm. so the same thing happened. I, I would argue that, that of all the Philadelphia teams, the Flyers are my favorite. Maybe the Phillies. I mean, I love the Sixers. I loved um, I loved all of them. But I, there was something about hockey. I didn't play it either. And the Flyers. And, and then I get to a point where I'm covering the Blues every single day. And it's the same thing. It's like, I, I don't know anybody on the Flyers. Or maybe there's one former player. All the guys I grew up watching are gone. And I'm at a 
much more intimate relationship level with these blues players. And I know them and I know their families and I know, you know, all their personality traits and, you know, and I'm, I'm mixing it up with Chris Pronger and all these guys. It's like, no, this is my team. And then my kids were born in St. Louis and my son started playing hockey. And even my daughter watches a little bit. And it's like when the blues are on, that's what we watch in our house. So actually getting back to the original thing, like if there's, if there's one pro sports team that I really sort of binge on, it's the blues. That's at at least there's that, that fan outlet um, since everything else has to be work. Yeah. And you sort of want, I'm, I'm not good at it, you sort of want to get pissed off, you know, when something goes yeah. bad, you sort of want <laughs> to, to feel what it's like to be a fan. You want to hurt when they lose. I mean, that's what I allow myself to do with Wisconsin. I allow myself to get upset or overjoyed, which is uh, a fun part. I think and not always fun, but it is part of being a fan. It's part of the distraction of, you know, just letting yourself get away from life. Do you still get that a little bit when you experience like your friends, you know, the players, the Royals players, when they lose, do you still kind of get that feeling or is that still just not, not just, but is it Um, more work related for you? I've just learned over the years to make it work related, which I think is also a little bit of a, for lack of a better term, a survival mechanism because if you're and Paul Splitter have taught me this my first year here in 2008, that there are a lot of high paid, important people that are supposed to lose sleep over losses. And, and he told me, you're not one of them. And, you know, at That's first it was like, what? Well, yeah, I mean, but at first it was like, is he telling me not to care? And it was like, no, it was the exact opposite. He was saying, don't let the results affect how you care. Right. Um. Like, I have to go on and talk about it every single night. And even to this day, when I have friends that'll text me like, I can't believe that player. That's, you know, um, like, you know, whatever, like what a joke or, or even occasionally somebody on our crew that'll text. Like, I can't believe they made that move. And I'm like, I don't want to hear the negativity because I'm not saying that I won't criticize guys. And I'm more than more than comfortable talking about slumps and guys that are struggling. But if, if I'm going to get emotionally pulled down because they're not doing well, it's really hard to go back and do your job every single day when you're letting that stuff affect you. So to me, it's just, I, I want to see the guys go well. And I will say everywhere I've been, I root for the guys because that's part of it. And actually more of what I do than people understand is I build relationships with these guys every day. Not in a way, like I don't go hang out with any of them. Um, there's a couple, maybe you end up at a bar with here and there on the road because you end up in the same place, but it's not like, Hey, what are you doing after the game? Yeah. And maybe my, my younger years a little bit, but like, let them live their life. Uh, and that's a lot easier to say now that I'm a lot older than them, but <laughs> let them live their player life, whatever that entails. And for a right. lot of guys that entails just going to a room and playing video games together. But I, I'm not part, I'm, I'm not one of their teammates, but we are in the same kind of culture and ecosystem. So it's like, I spend all this time building relationships, the translation um, to that, or the end result of that is hopefully better interviews. It's hopefully a comfort level that the player has with me where they let their guard down and they show more personality. And, and I, I, I'm fairly certain that that happens a lot because I watch other other interviewers or other media members or broadcasters not not get what I'm able to get out of them. And that doesn't come because I'm asking the world's greatest questions. That comes because of all the hours and days and months and years building up those relationships. So you want to see them do well. But I, I think I, I probably, like to me, I'm more bummed out when a guy leaves. Mm-hmm. When, you know, when when he either moves on say like an Eric Hosmer, when he retires, like an Alex Gordon, or when he's cut or released, like say a Bruce Chen, mm-hmm. where, you know, you're just like, man, I'm going to miss that guy being around. Right. And so that's maybe the selfish side and more the personal side of it. Mm. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, well, especially like a guy like Gordon too, that you've spent, what, almost a 13 years two decade yeah uh, over a decade with i mean that's that's not just a uh a, a, a colleague that's family 
right? I mean, you spent that much time with him. So that's, um, is he, what, and this is, I just, this came to my brain right now when you mentioned that, but, but um, with kind of what happened this year with not having any fans in the stands and then having that kind of farewell tour with kind of no fan appreciation, what, what did that feel like to him knowing him and, and, and are there any plans, you know, moving for next season to maybe kind of have another little like tip of the cap? Yeah, I I'm sure they will. And, you know, my guess is they have some of those ideas already in their head. Sure. I, I don't know that for sure. But uh, he's a very humble person. So was yeah. that, was that okay for him to, you know, have that kind of farewell tour knowing this or because, because he's very humble or, or not? I mean, uh, you know, I haven't fully asked him all of this yet. And I, I mean, I do feel like I know him as well as, as any broadcaster in the country could. I mean, I, I don't know that there is a media member or broadcaster. I'd put broadcasters in a different role in the sense that we're like, there are people that know Alex longer, but there are, there's really no one other than I would say me and Ryan Lefevre that have been around him yeah. longer. I mean, Ryan was around him one year longer than me, but I, I just, based on my job, I spend more time around those guys. If I'm, if I'm down by the dugout doing reports or I'm sitting down there during, during spring training games, I'm interacting with him. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that he has intentionally walked through our shot during a pregame show as he's going out <laughs> to stretch and warm up thinking that he's messing us up. And I finally like broke the news to him at one point that like every time you've ever walked out has been during a commercial break. Like he saw smiling and like <laughs> what I did. And I'm like, do we're on, we're like, we're in a commercial, but like, I, like I welcome that because like, I don't know if I, the guys in our truck love it because the shot's so tight that all you see is a body walking through. But like, I love the fact that he wants to mess around and do all that. So like for one, I, I would say that I know Alex as a person and I, I, I see in him in terms of personality, a lot more than other people know. He, and the people that are closest with him, and I'm not saying I'm closest with him at all, but the people that are close to him on a level much higher than where I'm at say all the things that I see and that he's, he's a funny dude. He's very dry. Uh, he, he's, he can be very engaging. So I don't know the answer other than, You know, when people sit there and say, well, he's fine without any attention, I think there's, there is a lot of truth to that, but I, I don't think that he was wanting to just disappear either. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I, I also think that he's comfortable in handling the attention. He's not, he, he's not a guy that's like, leave me alone. I think he would rather the focus be on other people, but I think that he is, Uh, you know, today in 2020 versus say when I first met him in 2008, much more polished and and much more aware of all of his surroundings than what people may realize. And so I think he one understood, fully understood the magnitude of his career and what he meant here to this city, the region, and certainly Nebraska. And so I, you know, if he had to do it over again, I'm sure he would have loved for it to have had fans in the stands. It's not something that would be uncomfortable. And, you know, they pulled him out of that game quickly. And I had a lot of friends and people say, well, why would they do that? Why not just let him play? And, I, you know, and I recognized it without even needing to talk to Matheny in the moment that we weren't sure that we would even play an inning that day. Yeah. Because, and this was a meaningless game in terms of playoffs. And so it's like, you know, if baseball loses this game, they're not going to make it up. And they're not going to have them sitting around all day with all the, the dangers of COVID and all of that. So when they got it started, it was like, okay, we, you know, we're getting things started here and he's leading off. And I thought he's going to pull him like second, third, fourth inning. And then sure enough, right away in the top of the second, he pulls him. And as much as like, there were no fans to cheer and standing ovation, which would have been amazing he they stopped the game for him Whit Merrifield came over from right field to left to replace him and that that's his closest friend in this group in 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 this 
era of the, of the team. And he got to, he got to come off and he got hugs as he was coming off the field and both dugouts are cheering him. So, and, and he could look up and see his, you know, his mom and, and his wife and his mm. kids and his brothers and his, mm-hmm. you know, cousins and nieces and nephews and all that. And so, so I, he did have a moment and, and they really did make this a very powerful four days about him. And then, you know, to your guy's point, they will do something next year. They just have to figure out, you know, like you don't want to do that on opening day if there aren't any fans back yet. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. But, and maybe there will be, I mean, maybe, I don't think I don't think we'll have forty thousand, but maybe we have ten thousand or fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. So there there will be a celebration for Alex, and I sense that we'll see enough of him. Like he's not going anywhere. He's right. He's that rare guy that lives here, and he's not going to disappear. Right, which is good for yeah. the city. I, it's great I'm for the city. Very, very grateful. Um, so I kind of want to take a, a step back, really quick, if that's okay, and yeah. ask you um, as a person who interviews a lot. Um especially in the sports world, has there been somebody that uh, in your career you've mentored or under or, or looked up to as far as how you approach interviewing players? Somebody that maybe in you, when you were um, in college or even nowadays, somebody you just, that sticks out like that's, that's the goal or who, who do you look up to as far as sports interviewers or are you it? (laughs) Well, I'm not it, but I don't, there's so many that you just sort of watch them over the years. And, you know, I mean, I had people every step of the way that I worked with from back as an intern in college and and this guy up in, in Madison, who was when I interned there, our weekend sports anchor. And then, then he became the sports director. And then I left and got a job at a small market. And then I came back and worked for him. And to this day, like he's, He's the he's the Milwaukee version of me now. Like mm. he he does for the Brewers and the Bucks what I do. Although I do more here just because they don't need more. Like we don't hire more people because we just have Royals. So you know they have multiple people doing what I do there. But but I mean he he hosts those shows and all that. Um, so you know he taught me a lot. Um, There's a guy I worked with a lot of years in St. Louis. That's a, a main sports anchor. So he never left that role. I mean, that's all the roles that I used to be in. And and I learned a lot from him. Uh, and, and then, you know, you watch, definitely watch a lot of these sideline reporters and all of that. And I don't, I don't know that there's anybody that I say, okay, I wanted to be exactly like that person, but I just watch. And it's the ones that can do an interview in a way that is not, you know, question, answer, question, answer, yeah. like scripted. It's just like who can figure out how to have a conversation. And I don't know, like I would say that, that even learning from a Salvador Perez who, and he wasn't the only one or the first one, but just understanding that there's an opportunity, especially after a win to show some personality mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like, I, and I think what I understood and I came to realize, and I was never offended by it, but I, I always sort of laughed at this thought that I could ask the greatest or worst question ever. And as long as I didn't drop an F-bomb or say anything that was so <laughs> offensive, no one was going to talk about it if if a Gatorade bucket was dumped. Right. And, right. and it's like, and that never offended me. Um, if anything, like I loved it because everybody was watching and everybody was enjoying it. And I still, of course, wanted to ask good questions, but it became equally important to me, if not more important, to just be able to either show these guys personalities or to um, just to engage and have some fun with them. And there's a healthy balance to it. And, and, that healthy balance is, is to me, it's, it's not across the board. I mean, it, it changes by the person. So like I worked with a guy in St. Louis named Jim Hayes, who's uh, really, really popular there. And he loves just playing the silly. Yep. Um, he doesn't take anything seriously. And that's not really true. Like he does take his job seriously. Trust me. I, 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 
I've seen him stress over all kinds of things. He's like this balance of, you know, stressed and just like totally having fun. But I learned from him that it's not only is it okay to have fun, but like when you have fun and you're able to build that trust with the player, they then have fun and they let their guard down. And now they're not just some guy. They're like, Hey, you know, people are more attached to Salvador Perez in this town than any other Royals athlete. And a lot of them sometimes will say, I I don't understand every word that he says because he's got the thicker accent, but they don't care. They love him because he's like, he's lovable. He's fun. Like you feel like you know him. And so I learned that with Jim, with that said, I, I, I could not be him and don't want to be him. Like I take things a little bit more seriously than, than he does in the interviews, but yet he regularly gets guys to, uh, the term that he would always use is play grab ass and they they have some fun and they screw around um, that. That isn't quite my personality, but I do want to be able to show that personality. The other element to that, that I learned, you know, and, and like you asked about who you learned from, I mean, it's not even all uh, reporters. I mean, it's, I learned from Dayton Moore. I, I learned from Ryan Lefevre. I learned. And, and so to me, at least working with some of the guys that I do, Rex Hudler, it's like, you know, I, I can't try to be Rex, but I can put Rex in a spot where he can be him. So I think that what I've learned or figured out along the way is what can I do to bring out the best in whoever that person is? And not everybody, like I'm not going to go around and screw around with Alex Gordon the same way that I would Salvador Perez. Because now Alex might be uncomfortable. Um, Wit's more serious, but I know it makes him tick. And, and on and on and on. And so I think that that you just just try to respect who you're who you're working with and put them in a spot that that brings out the best in them, really. Sure, sure. Speaking of the like some of the other guys you just mentioned, right? There's so many powerful voices in Kansas City sports in, in terms of broadcasting with. Uh, starting with, you know, Denny and Physioc and Lefevre and these guys that have been around, even on the other side, uh, the other side of the parking lot, right. With Mitch, who does the best impersonation of one of the other guys? I, I know there has to be like, uh, like Rex probably does one or, or maybe not. I don't know. I, that'd be interesting. Cause there's so many like catchphrases and voices that, that we all are very familiar with. Yeah. I mean, I if there's somebody that does that. I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily know. Like <laughs> there, there, maybe it's is, a player. No, the, the Royals strength and conditioning coaches is, is great at that stuff. So like he, <laughs> like I, I wish I had, it and I don't know that I saved it, but I mean, a bunch of years back, like he'll do conversations between like, I don't know, Denny Matthews and, you know, Rex Hudler or something like that. And he'll, you know, and he, he has it down, like in terms of, the mannerisms so he will like there there there's some times over the years if we're on the road on the field doing our show and he'll be walking out to go stretch out a player and he'll just kind of stop by our set during a commercial and you know and break out uh, he does a good uh buck martinez the toronto blue jays <laughs> announcer things like that i i would say that i i would think probably the three easiest ones maybe not easy but the ones that that people would have the best crack at impersonating would either be Denny HUD or maybe Mitch, but I think people can get Mitch wrong too, because they, they focus too much on the energy. Yeah. Right. Um, whereas with HUD, you know, I, I, that seems a little bit easier to me with the voice tone and then just some of like the, you can just make stuff up. Like, you know, <laughs> for say whatever. 60, yeah. Like for his 60th birthday, I sent out a tweet basically saying I'm putting together a, a video. So send in your best impersonation. And people were amazing. Like, you know, and, and some of them sounded like him and some didn't, but everything that came out of their mouth sounded like something he would say and nobody <laughs> else in the world would say. So, you know, HUD's, I would say of all those guys, I mean, HUD's the caricature. And so in some ways he would be the easiest to do. I mean, I, you know, I can come up with a thousand things right now. Yeah, I was on a flight one time. We were going to Arizona, or actually, I was coming back, and I was in the airport in Denver. So we were catching the same flight back, and Rex Rex was on the plane with me. And this was like, 
I think he'd only been, when did he start? 2013? 12. 12. Okay. So this was, this was 20, uh, 2014. So it hadn't been, he, but he had like a very limited schedule at the beginning, right? He only covered like a certain amount of games because uh, they were kind of bringing him in slowly, right? If, if I remember right. Mm-mm. No? Okay. Maybe I, maybe, <laughs> I, maybe I was loosely I told you attention. we were amateur <laughs> fans. We don't know. <laughs> no, I, like, I, I wouldn't like, well, amateur, not amateur, whatever. You guys can call whatever you want. Uh, I'm not saying that. A lot of times I'll just be like, yeah, sure, but no, he. I mean, he came in and worked every game right away. Okay. Now, I will say, and and this is a little bit maybe Mark. And by the way, like I don't remember what happened two weeks ago. So I mean, right. it's like you know, yeah. you get stuff in your head for a lot of years. But what I will say is, he wasn't a household name back then. It was you fell in one of two camps. Uh, yeah. It was either like, hey, this guy is funny, or like, what the heck is this? And most right. people yeah. fell in the in the second camp there until people really understood who he was, his heart. Um, I think it means a lot here. I got some of this too. Unfortunately, I didn't replace anybody. I mean, my, they never really had a pre and post game show host, but, but the question I got all the time as people started to hear what I did or recognize me a little bit was, um, so like, when are you going back to St. Louis or, and not like long-term, like in the off season, like, you know, when, uh, you know, when do you move back home? And I'm like, no, no this is home. Wow. And so, I think it just, I think it's, I don't know if it's an inferiority complex, but it's like sometimes it takes people either more to understand that, no, I want to be here, or maybe it's not that. And maybe it's more of just like, um, they want to know that you're one of them. Like, Mm. you know, there are enough people that have come in here, they do their job and they think about players and then they go back to wherever they're from. And it's like, no, I moved my family here. The Huddlers moved their family here. Uh, Jeff Montgomery, uh, you know, made the choice with his wife many, many, many years ago to say Kansas City is going to be our home. And, you know, when he retired, he stayed his home. Um, you know, Alex Gordon's doing the same thing now. And mm-hmm. so I think that means a ton to people here. Sure. Well, I think uh, the other part was p- people aren't used to change. People habitually don't like to change. That's right. When you have yeah. changed, they're just like, eh, not really until you, um, until it becomes not change anymore. And that's what, yeah. but anyways, on the flight, he was hilarious. He was saying some random things and I was like, Oh my God, this guy is like, he is yes. who he is. Yeah. Um, you were dead on a character. You were dead on on those two camps. I remember cause I moved here in 2003 and 2004 to go to college. Um, and whenever Rex came on the scene, those people were in those two camps and it's amazing how since he's been, been here, he has won pretty much everybody over. And I think if they've seen any other broadcast, they realize how good they have it in having Rex Hudler um, and Ryan Lefebvre calling the games and then the pre and post game shows um, with you. Yeah. It's, it's been amazing to see over the f- few years um, how personality really shines through. Um, yeah. And yeah. That takes time too. Like, you know, I mean, think about like people always tell you to be yourself and that's easier said than done when you're like, uh, I got all these people watching me. And in his case, you know, he he was getting all the messages from people. He was getting all the nasty comments. Yeah. And he, he could be the silliest and, you know, most confident guy in the world, but that'll wear on you. And, you know, until it doesn't. And, you know, I didn't get much of that, but it, you still wonder, like, you belong here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like, people ask me all the time if I get nervous going on TV and the answer is always no. And it's like, if some, if some kind of nerve pops up, it's, you know, I'm just like, wait, what, what is that? Or maybe it's like some really big circumstance involving something that, you know, controversial or whatever, and you have to get it exactly right. And everybody's watching and, um, you know, things, but, but really even then it doesn't like, you know, the night that uh, the night that the Milwaukee Bucks decided not to play and then a bunch of the baseball teams oh, um, yeah. decided to oh, postpone, yeah. um, you know, with Black Lives Matter and all that. And and we were delayed about five minutes against the Cardinals. And I think they were deciding if they were going to play or not. And it, it was last minute. And so we had time to fill. They, they wanted me to do a report on what was going on around the league, like in the second inning. And it's like, fine. And you got to be somewhat quick on those. And now suddenly it's like, we've got, we've got a few minutes. So you, 
you're going to go on and do it when we come back from a commercial and, and, um, you know, you got time. I'm like, okay, great. Like, I mean, and then, you know, you get a call from the boss who, who I don't really hear from. Uh, I mean, it's great. Like he, they let us do our thing and, and, but you get a call from the boss who's actually out of St. Louis and you know, maybe hear from him once or twice a year just to make sure. And it's like, Hey, you know, just, stick to the facts. You don't need to put in opinions, good, bad, whatever your thought on it is. And I'm like, no, I, I mean, like, this is, this is the role that I was trained to do coming up as a young broadcaster. And I don't have to do it as much, but I know how to do it. So those are those moments where it's like, this isn't normal, uh, uh, but I've got all these facts. I want to get them in. I want to, I want to do it uh, respectfully. I'm going to do it in a way that hopefully doesn't piss people off. But if I, if I, if I'm, just putting out the truth and the facts, then if they don't like it, they don't like it. But I remember like thinking as my boss called me, like, I'm not saying he was nervous, but I'm sitting there thinking I'm not like, mm -hmm. this is what I do. And so I, I think, you know, that wasn't the case when I first got here because you spend so much time wondering about what do the fans think? What do the players think? What does what does the organization and ownership and the GM think? And then you just get to a point where you're like, "This is what I do," and if they didn't like it, I wouldn't be here right, right. now. Right. And they might not like it tomorrow, but for 13 years they have liked it, and so it's like, <laughs> you know what? Just go do your thing, and you know, trust your instincts of what got you here. And that's like, I mean, that, I'm not even sitting there suggesting that that's the thought process or what's going on in my head every day. It's just, that's like in the very back of my head of saying like, I feel very comfortable here. Uh, and, and I think that HUD does now too. And I think we all do. I and mean, when you talk about our group, like, you know, every one of us has been here. If Fizz and HUD came in 2012, I think Monty joined me in 2010. You know, we, we've all, we've all been here for a minimum of like eight, nine seasons. And then, you know, you look at me 13, you look at Ryan's over 20 and, and then obviously, you know, Denny. And so. And that's just in Kansas just city. A, yeah. That's yeah. I mean, but, there, but, but I do think there's something to be said about a comfort level within a market in the fan base hmm. and it helps. Absolutely. I think just being probably a small market too, probably also helps just yeah. strengthen that too, because you, you know, as, as big as the names are in New York, uh, LA, uh, the legends that are there for sure. Right. But the, the other guys probably diamond doesn't, or, or, or doesn't have the same type of impact as it has, uh, being in the small market. Like you, like, I agree with you hundred percent. Like, I mean, you guys, what, what you guys have developed over the last decade or, or longer and Denny for, I mean, I think Denny's been calling games since I was been alive. Uh, um, it's just, it's, it's so it's, it, it, and maybe it's baseball. Maybe baseball also gets that because you get 162 games every of exposure day. every day. And I think that's why it also, you feel more connected to the player. Like what you said with Salvi earlier is because you get to see them 162 times. No question. For nine innings or more. And so you developed this real relationship with the player that you don't get in football or some of the other smaller, you know, where, uh, especially football. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I mean, I don't watch a lot of hockey, so I don't really know. You no, should. It's, it's, you should. Yeah. Uh, it, but it's <laughs> what, it's what does make baseball so unique. I mean, I talk about this all the time and I, you know, I do a lot of corporate speaking in the off season and even in season. I mean, to the point where it's, I put as much into that, if not more than what I do to baseball. I mean, it's nonstop and it, it's, it's more the business side of my life, but, but what I, and I, and I'll, I probably all of us do a I think HUD does a little bit of that. Monty does a, maybe a little bit, but I mean, I, I, it's like full fledged business for me. And the only one I, other one I know in town that does it as often as me or, or, you know, runs it like I do is, is Mitch. And I, I'm sure we come at it from different angles. We're all talking about, you know, like leadership and culture and teamwork and things like that. Dave Moore does it uh, a lot from his end, but I, I find baseball the easiest 
and most relatable sport because one, I mean, put basketball on its own. I mean, you, you got five to 10 guys. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, so for baseball, you're talking about 25 guys. Football is great because, you know, what, 53. Uh, but football is once a week. Yeah. Right. And so I always tell people they work as hard as anyone. Um, they would say they work harder than everyone. But all of that preparation is to lead to Sunday or sure. Monday or yeah. the NFL. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? I mean, it's like every day mm-hmm. now. But it's once a week. And baseball, you know, if you have a light week, it's five. Yeah. Typically it's six and oftentimes it's seven and sometimes for 18, 19 days in a row. And that to me is much more like life because it's like, it's a grind. You know, if you, if it's a grind. And if you fail today, you got to go back and do, you can't call in sick tomorrow. <laughs> right. Right. You, you know? can't see, we can't see you next Sunday. It's uh, right. we pick it up tomorrow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Are you think, um, yeah. being as close as you are to, to baseball and the players and stuff? Um, like, are you in the ball camp of, of always wanting the 162? I know there's a lot of talk out there about a shorter season. Um, and I know that this year probably, like, set an example for what it possibly could be or or the new wild card format or anything like that. Like, what's your personal insight on the changes possibly to baseball? Well, from – a purely selfish standpoint, the more games, the better, because most of us get paid by the game. Correct. So, uh, you know, now with that said, like, I don't, until this year of COVID, I don't know that I knew what it was like to have a decent amount of days off. Like, you know, you use the word grind, Seth, and it's like that, that's the best word to describe for anyone involved in baseball mm-hmm. um, especially anyone that travels uh, with the team it, no matter what your role like you know if you're the if you're the the physical therapist on the team or or you're the equipment guy or whatever it is it's like it doesn't stop and when it does stop it stops for you know 24 hours for you to go run some errands and and you know you're back you know like, there's no vacation yeah the 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 all-star break in a normal year Four days, I don't know the exact equivalent, but four days to me usually feels like a two-week vacation. And um, it does. It's like, and it's totally rejuvenating. Um, so, you know, if they ever went back to 150, uh, putting the money aside, I, like, I, I don't think that would be awful. But I think you got to figure out a way to make that money back. Not me, my money, but the league. Yeah. I mean, that's the challenge. So you, you have to... Maybe that's expanded playoffs. Maybe that, and, and they're going to, they can make that money back pretty quickly in the playoffs too, but you have to figure out a way. And the other side of it too is, you know, it's a big leap of faith. It's a jump off the diving board when you're so statistically driven right. in terms of your history to have to say like, this was the date, this was the year that the new era began. Decades and, and right, decades you know? of stats that right, would have like, to kind of go out the window if you decided to uh, well change how many games there were a season. Or not right. out we the window, but you about, know what I mean. Well, but it's there's a delineation then. I mean, yeah. you know, how often do we talk about the modern era? You know, yeah, right. like, okay, and so this would be the next modern era or whatever you want to call it. And so, um, I I think it, I think it could help the game. I think the game could help itself in a lot of other ways. I mean, they have to figure out a, a better way to to provide access. That sounds like a broadcaster asking for more, but, um, but I just mean access for the fans. Like I completely know, agree. Share these personalities. Cause there are some great personalities in the game. And, 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 you know, the more microphones you put on people, the more insight you give, the more you could take people on the road and take people behind the scenes is, is the way. And, Look, you guys are a lot younger than me, but I'm going to talk about kids that are younger than you. I mean, you you have to make this product one that teenagers right now and even mm-hmm. younger want because they digest everything, you know, in, in 10 second, 30 second, one minute clips. And that's not to say they won't sit and watch it, but it's those 10, 30, 60 second clips that are going to get them to watch it. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so they, they, they have to make that pivot. 
and and you can't the you know there's a one of my favorite quotes that i have learned and heard on the business side of my life um which came um on a podcast that i did and also at a event that i moderated it's from the ceo of h&r block who said his name is jeff jones and he said there's a slippery slope between tradition and irrelevance and mm. baseball has the greatest tradition of all the sports but if you live off of that tradition too long you will become irrelevant and you know, I remember seeing Joe Posnanski writing something about, you know, baseball could become, I don't remember how he said it, the next horse racing. And it seemed kind of far-fetched until you go back and say in previous generations, like my grandparents' generation, and, and not that I didn't see some horse racing growing up, horse racing was everything. It was a, you know, like everything was like, I believe, like the Kentucky Derby. It was a show. It was a thing. People don't, people don't do that anymore. And I'm not saying baseball will ever become that or not but they have to stay relevant. And, and my hope is that some of what went on here during COVID has given them a license to challenge that tradition mm -hmm. because like when everybody was bitching about the extra innings runner on second base rule. And I would have been one of those people bitching about it in the past too. Like, no, nope, no nope, tradition. You know, I'm a purist. Yeah. I'm a baseball purist. No backflips, no this, no that. that. That was me too. That full honesty, full honesty. Yeah. But then you sit there and say, why not? Like right. it kind of worked. Uh, like, <laughs> like first off you start looking around. Kids love to flip bats. They think oh. it's fun. Mm -hmm. They love the personalities behind it. So wait a minute, is it really that bad? Is it really disrespectful? Right. And when you start looking in to the fact that uh, sometimes these, uh, a lot of the Latin players would get criticized for, for being too demonstrative and, you know, don't pound your chest and point up to the sky after a strikeout and disrespect the game. And it's like, and then you hear, and I've never been over there, how much fun they have at these games in the Dominican. Oh. And, and it's like, well, wait a minute why is that not allowed here? Like mm -hmm. maybe, maybe it's more fun and we shouldn't look at it as right. being disrespectful. Uh, you know, and so it's like, I think that I'm not a huge NBA fan, but I think the NBA markets themselves and showcases there. And I understand they've got a smaller talent pool, uh, but they, they highlight their stars, their, their, their characters, their personalities. They're more than just athletes. And I think baseball has to do that because they, they have to sell this game, which means selling the personalities. And, you know, if, if starting a runner on second base makes a game more exciting, like the Royals won that first time that they had that. And I remember like, I put a poll on Twitter and the, the general response was, you know, everybody loved it, but they said, if we lost, we wouldn't like it. I'm like, <laughs> okay. That's like, th that was very predictable. And, and I right. get it. Uh, and then they didn't like it when they lost the second one, but I think it was Jeff Montgomery, who is like this great blend of old school, but very open to change. Mm -hmm. um, he's, he's very innovative like that. And, you know, he was like, that 10th inning was the most exciting inning of the game. Yeah. And it may not have ever, we may never have, have had an exciting moment. So it works, you know, I, I mean, it works well in hockey. Like I sat the, you may disagree with me on this, but hockey to me became fun. Not when they went to the shootout hockey to me became fun when they wanted to avoid the shootout and they went to three on three. Yeah. And suddenly it was like, holy crap, this is like five minutes of nonstop breakaways. And did it cheapen the game? No, you could actually have any moment in the game where it's three on three. Probably more likely you'd have a four on three or a five on three. But this isn't like some out of left field fabricated thing. And I think I think that college football does that right is it a little bit artificial to to start the ball in overtime where they do yes but there are moments in the game where they have the ball right there it's not mm -hmm. like you're asking them to do something uh, where the shootout you don't you know you might have 
what's that? The other penalty shot uh, once a month, maybe, you know, yeah, if that, if right. that, right. So like same thing with penalty kicks in soccer. So it's not like having a runner on second base and in extra innings is like this weird thing. Then you start having some relievers bitching about like, you know, I have to come into that situation and they're like, well, first off, statistically, it doesn't count as your earned run. Yeah. Uh, second of all, like, are you not <laughs> capable of coming into a game with a runner on second base? That's what like, you're paid to do. It's like giving them a walk. Uh, yeah. And then the other side of it is I can't tell you how many times we'd be in extra innings on the road or wherever. And, and a, a guy comes in there and he's the hero. He saved the bullpen and he went four innings and blah, blah, blah. We didn't have anybody left. And it's like the only sport that says, oh, we just went as long as we could because that's the way tradition was. And now we have nobody left. And and now the guy that was the hero last night because he's younger and he's mop up goes back to the minors to be punished for it because we need another body and he's expendable. Oh, but oh, by the way, we're in New York and AAA team is in Spokane, Washington. And so we won't get him for this day game tomorrow. So hopefully we'll have him in two days. It's like, what what makes sense about that? And now you're having to have a position player pitch or whatever it is, which is... And, know, and at that point, nobody's not. watching. A game and can go into watching. the 15th, 16th no. inning, and even a diehard Cardinals fan like I am, I'm not... I got work the next day. I, I, I'm not going to be watching that. I'll find out what happens. But if I see and, the inning start with a runner on second, I'm in, I'm invested. Yes, and you know that there is probably a conclusion to it sooner than right. like you might actually say, you know what, let me hang on because I think this thing could end soon. And there are a couple of games that went long, but um, I, well, it's I easier to it get through. It's e- yeah. It's easier to get through 10 or 11 innings than it is yes. 17 innings. No and, one, no one wants to be, I've sat through some long games uh, at Royal at a, like one went 15 innings and we were just miserable by the end. Like just somebody please score already. Yeah. Hurry up. So, yeah, and now I made the mistake once of saying that on the air, like early this year. You're, you're in I'm a like, safe place, I, Joel. <laughs> yeah, I said something like, um, I think it was on the air. Maybe it was on Twitter. I know I heard about it on Twitter, but it was like, I said something like, who really wants 16 innings? And I'm like, I do. I'm like, okay. I, I mean, yeah, one guy. I get All it. right, buddy. And I get it. I learned many times along the way that the that there is no such thing as an unanswered tweet when you say who's still up right now there's always someone watching um and that's fine but but back to this too like i think that there's a way to do this and i think it added excitement to the game and then if you don't want that in the playoffs okay now you're built differently in the playoffs and it's all or nothing I think a 17 inning game in the playoffs is fun, especially if I'm not the one covering it, but uh, in the same (laughs) way that like, you know, the only thing better than a overtime hockey game in the playoffs is double overtime Mm -hmm. or triple overtime, you know, or triple overtime. Right. I mean, you know, that, that stuff becomes a lot of fun. Well, the playoffs is just a different, different experience in general that you want that. You want to soak in every moment of the playoffs versus like if it's June 27th and as a 16 inning game, no, you don't want to be there for that. No, <laughs> but I think you're completely right, Joel, that baseball needs to find a way to become more watch watchable in the middle of a season. The player interviews in the middle of a mm-hmm. game were incredible to watch. My son absolutely totally loved that. Love the mic up. Love the mic up feature. on the player. The runner on second. There's just there has to be more ways to engage teenagers and young kids um, in order to to watch the season. I will have to say the runner on second. I had to. Uh, it took me a while to remember that it was going on because I'd look down at my phone yeah. and I would see that there would be a runner on second. Be like, how did he get there? Oh right, <laughs> it was given to him. He started there. He started there. Um, it's it's weird. It's weird until it's not. It's weird right. until it's not. That's a great way to put it. Um, Joel, we want to be respectful of your time. So um, we're up up at an hour, and I want to just uh, say thank you so much, man, for taking the time to be with us. We could, I could ask you questions for probably three or four yeah, hours, and I don't want to do that to you. That, that's like that's an 18-inning game, really. It's unnecessary. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
I will ask you, are you going to miss Petro? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's funny. You said that first and I was like thinking of Soren Petro, no, I, I, I like both Petros, but, yeah. um, you know, and I had the chance to cover, um, Petrangelo. I, Mark, you don't know. I'm trying what to remember. Yeah, now he, he, um, I feel like his rookie year, I'd have to look it up. I, mean, I remember he was, they had to make a decision on him. I think he was 19. If they wanted to, if they wanted to keep him up long enough where he couldn't go back to junior or not, I, I don't remember, but I mean, I, I feel like I've, I've, um, I've known him a long time. It's been a long time since I've seen him, but, um, but Petro's a good dude. And, and, uh, but you know, that, like that, that's, I'm the, not na- that's the nature invested. of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not as emotionally invested. Like, I was bummed out when David Backus left. I, I spent a lot of time with David Backus and, um, but nature of the game and, you know, maybe they upgraded, um, you know, and what they got to. So, yeah. um, but I don't even know when hockey's starting. Do we even, we don't I even don't know. know. Do no, they haven't said anything yeah. yet. It's the weirdest thing. It is. It's extremely weird. Real quick, who you got in the World Series? What do you think? Seven, six, five, how many games? And who you got? Um, I know I'd like to see the Rays win, and I don't. It, it just, I just always pull for the smaller markets generally. Although teams that haven't won I, it before, I don't. Yeah, but I mean, the funny part is, uh, I mean, the Dodgers have lost three of the last four, though. The Dodgers. I remember. <laughs> I remember where I was sitting. I was at my cousin's house in New Jersey up in their attic when Kirk Gibson hit his famous home run in the 1988 World oh, Series. Oh, wow. And um, that's the last time they won the World Series. I mean, that's 1988. I mean, yeah. I was 16 years old. Now I'm old. So, <laughs> um, so you know, I'd be happy for them. Like, I don't really have a whole lot of connections with either team. Uh, Raul Labanez is a special assistant to the GM with the Dodgers, so I'd be happy for him to get a ring. Yeah. But I, you know, I think just the baseball fan in me would say, I just, I hope it goes six or seven games. And, you know, so far we're off to a good start. Yep. And um, so I'm avoiding the question. I, I, I think, you know, I'd go with talent and clearly the Dodgers have the most talent mm-hmm. on paper and, and maybe in all of the league. I was happy it wasn't the Dodgers or the uh, the Astros. I think Thank everybody God. agrees with that. I, you know, look, people don't <clears throat> that'll pass eventually. It's almost like this. This might be. I, I don't mean to be insensitive, but it's almost like a mourning period. Like, you know, I don't know that it's like different stages of grief, but like people were hurt by that. For yeah. sure. You know, in different yeah. ways. I mean, just the integrity and 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 I think we've all become accustomed to the fact that cheating exists mm-hmm. in baseball and all sports. We saw it with, with many of our heroes with steroids and you still always wonder, but this was a collective effort. Right. And so, you know, look, I get it. If you're an Astros fan, you're not going to pick a new team. Like that's your team. Um, right. I mean, if it happened right. here or in St. Louis or wherever, like you would, you would find a way to justify it, but there's nothing to justify for anyone else. So I think, you know, I was happy that they weren't in it. Although it certainly, Let's be honest, the Dodgers Astros series would have been um awesome. Must yeah. see TV. Right. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And we got I, and we got really close to it too. We got close. But I, I think um maybe there's some justice there, like, you know, yeah. not to not to have them on that stage. I mean, not not that it was mapped out that way. Uh, but I I think I'd go Dodgers in six or seven. There you go. Yeah. The Astros are the luckiest franchise in the history of sports to not have to have fans in the stands this year though i will give him that yeah. oh, for sure well joel we for know sure. you do we know you do a thousand podcasts <laughs> yeah. a day, pretty much um but if you ever want to come back on or just shoot the breeze or if you need a podcast to get away from all the other podcasts we're always <laughs> it's a lot of them that's for sure it's fun it's good though like you know it, it's it's a um it's a cool thing that that anybody can do it and why there's no there are no rules like you know uh, and and you could you could be an amateur if that's what you guys call yourself and have a really good podcast and you could be a pro and have a terrible podcast too like it doesn't doesn't make a difference so um uh you know it's it's good to be able to bs with you guys and talk about it and um i appreciate you having me on thank you thank you thank you thank you uh well thank you and uh good luck 
on the next upcoming season, whatever that's going to look like. Whatever that but, uh, is. Yeah, whatever it looks like. But, uh, again, we appreciate it and uh, uh, enjoy the weekend. All Go right. Chiefs. Yes. Go Chiefs. Thanks, thanks, Mark. Thanks, Seth. Thanks, Joel. What were you guys drinking, too? Bourbon. It had the bourbon, like <laughs> – it had the bourbon like sound to it. Yeah. Just some old Forrester 90. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I love it. I got to get, I got to go to a high school football game tonight. So I probably shouldn't do that yet. Afterwards, afterwards, you can do it afterwards. That's right. Yeah. That's right. All right, fellas. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thanks man. I right. right, appreciate it. See you guys.